They're continuing to load in well here for this big Group 1 event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late, it's English a half length in front, can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying, yes! And excellent, but McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go, excellent runs to second, Otazun runs on, but a champion becomes a legend, McCarty Diva has won it! G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast, brought to you as always by PlayUp. Me and Dino back in the hot seat again, as always. This week's episode is a absolute cracker. We've got our very first guest, uh, guest interviewee on the podcast. We'll get to that soon. And uh, there's cracking group level racing coming up at Randwick and Mooney Valley. We're going to wrap up with our Get Out Stakes Challenge as well. You might have seen on Twitter that we were absolutely hard done by last week. Still can't get over it. I only just got up off the floor, actually. Uh, so the Get Out Stakes is back for another week. And because there's no Group 1 racing uh, this week, we're going to do a multi-challenge instead, a little four-leg multi uh, for some juicy odds that we can cheer on. Now, as I throw to you, Dino, uh, the first thing I want to ask, as always, is how are you, my partner in crime? But also, what's the beer of choice for you this week? Yeah, um, probably the, the funnest part of the podcast for me. I've knocked off work today and thought, oh, can't wait. Head down to the bottle aisle and picked up myself um, a four-pack of Pirate Life Brewing. Um, the Pale Ale from the South Coast, if my memory serves me right, I'm pretty sure they're based in Adelaide. Um, it's a Pale Ale, so it's nice and fruity. Um, I actually really enjoy it. It has a good aftertaste. Um, what are you rocking tonight? Mate, I like that. I've heard of these Pirate Life things. Apparently, they go all right. Um, so I like that you've thrown in a little bit of bit of flavor into that i've gone for a, a stock standard classic usually reserved possibly for uh asian long lunches yum cha etc but after a stinging hot day in sydney found this at the back of my fridge the old asahi really crisp uh and and just what i needed after a long day in the sun like you as well stinking hot day in sydney today thursday so very happy to get in in the cool and record the pod now, uh, Group Two racing coming up at Randwick this Saturday. How we how how are our thoughts? How's our confidence on the meeting? Yeah, definitely. Uh, first look looked like a cracking card. I'm um, really keen to see how this track plays with the rail out in the six meter position. Uh, we've got another good track this week. Um, I'm tipping it's going to be a touch on pace, especially when the rail's out at Randwick. Um, I tend to play it as a little bit of an advantage on pace. Um, there's some cracking three-year-old races. I think you've got the Phillies race and then you've got the Males race. I think they're both cracking races. Um, the two features on the card, um, race seven and race eight, um, <clears throat> I think they're very tricky races. You got It's the same situation we sort of had the last two weeks. You've got a lot of horses that are sort of got grand finals down the track. They're getting produced over these shorter trips where they'll probably improve over the further trips. Um, and then we round out the day with probably the biggest sprue course in Sydney at the moment, Mars Crusader. So um, 
good luck to those who picked up even money early doors. Um, looks very, very hard to beat. Um, Melbourne, we're back at the Valley. Hopefully no washout this week. It's, it's gone from a heavy 10 or heavy 15 to a good four. How are you seeing them down there? Yeah, I couldn't believe how quickly this track's been able to bounce back. Obviously, two weeks in time is a long time for a track to dry out, but it was a dead set bog that day that it got cancelled a few weeks ago. Back to a good four. Even possibly, I think, could be a good three come race day, so says the track manager. Uh, rail back in the true, I'm expecting on pace. And just I, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, though. Mooney Valley, uh, year after year after year, even sometimes no matter where the rail position is, it's such a benefit to be up on speed just because of how the track is set out. You've got about a 200-metre run to the line from the turn, uh, and horses that are back in the field and, and take a while to get through their gears are always going to be disadvantaged when you've only got such a short run to the line. So, yeah, group two, uh, fee and stakes day. Whoever wins the fee and gets a ticket into the Cox Plate. Uh, nine good races, but, yeah, as I said, uh, expecting – expecting an on-pace kind of day. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts quickly just because I saw that you're not uh, covering it in any of your tips. One of the best races of the day, I thought, is the battle between uh, Nature Strip and the field, basically. I could go through who else he's going to be versing, but what, what were your quick thoughts on Nature Strip? I personally think too short. Yeah, you <clears throat> you won't see me backing him at $1.40. Uh, that's a sit-out-and-watch race for me. Um you can look at a different couple, uh, couple different ways. Uh, betting prospect, um, I don't think there's a betting prospect there for me myself. Um, I prefer to back the best horses in the race or the horses I like to think will win. So uh, I guess there are probably a few people out there that will pick holes in the race and say you can back this to place, maybe back this each way or saver. But for mine, um, I think Nature Strip will absolutely lap them. The only sort of query I've got, obviously, is that first up record. I think he's come back a different horse this prep, so I'm not too worried about that. But um, I think Baller Muscle, Splintex will all go forward, so there might be a little bit of a speed battle, and I think that's the only way he comes undone. In saying that, I don't know how forward uh, Gaitra is to pounce on the back of that. So if one of these uh, Baller Muscle or Splintex can worry him out of it, which I don't think they will, I think that might be the only way you can sort of play it, one of them for the place. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, what about the the results for the barrier attendant during the week? Now, punters, if you don't know, obviously the barrier attendant is the tipping service that Dean runs for Sydney Racing. I highly suggest you go and check it out. He's been uh, killing it since since starting only, uh, what, just over a month ago now? Yeah, we just ticked over a month. Um, started up on the 17th. So, no, <clears throat> Saturday was a bit... Um, of the negative side, uh, four tips. Um, we had a second, a third, and two unplaced. Uh, probably expected a few horses to be better than what they are. Um, but we bounced back strong on Sunday. We had a, a stake very slow, uh, very small on the Saturday due to the tricky, tricky races. Uh, Saturday, Sunday come along, we had a nice big play on a horse called Eliza Beal. Got the cash at Wyong, and then we had a really nice. Um, place win, you would have been proud of me, finally went the old each way or um, not the two-bet system but the each way system. Um, on I think it was Tuesday, enough, mate. a horse called Silent Trist, tried up an absolute storm, come up $31. Um, we went nice each way there. Probably gets close at the end if it gets through but 
Nah, solid week, solid, solid week. How did you fare last week? I thought Caulfield played absolutely outstanding. Uh, I know we're both a little bit worried about it being a touch leader's bias, but I thought it played absolutely outstanding. Yeah, mate, it, it did. It played really well, um, which is always good to see. Sometimes Caulfield, uh, back on those good surfaces, can play as a bit of a highway as well. But no, I thought it was really good. Good for racing when you've got a track that plays really fairly like that on a group one day. Uh, obviously, got it a bit wrong in the, well, not a bit wrong, did get it wrong in the group one, Memsey. Uh, Arcadia, uh, not Arcadia Queen, sorry, Mystic Journey who I thought might be able to bounce back after a pass mark fresh, just really wasn't able to. And uh, now Adam Trinder's sent her back to uh, Tasmania. And it honestly, I think at this point, wouldn't surprise me if she hits the breeding barn as well. But fair play to Behemoth. And a great story as well for Grand Syndicate's uh, first Group 1 winner. Bargain buy too, 6000 bucks. Um, isn't that the way that we'd all like it to work out? But really good, really good, really strong win by Behemoth. who got a good run, mind you, in behind the speed there on the fence. And I saw that Craig Williams came out post-race and said that um, can definitely win another Group 1 in the spring. So really looking forward to see what Behemoth can do and great for the uh, great for SA racing as well, uh, obviously being a South Australian trained horse um, when they can do really well on the big stage. Now, moving on. We're joined on the podcast this week. It's our very first guest, uh, and we're really, really excited to have him on, hopefully setting a very high benchmark uh, for the guest that we'll have on. He's a really sharp mind in the racing and punting business. Uh, he's part of the racing.com and punters.com teams, and uh, he's probably most well-known for his work as one half of the Trial Files crew, and it's a guy that Dean and myself have a lot of time and respect for. Tom Haylock, mate, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on uh, and, and thanks for being our very first guest. As I said, setting a big benchmark here. Any nerves? <laughs> no nerves, but uh, don't talk me up too much, boys. Um, I'd like to think I'm a better half of the trial files, though. Definitely. I think so, too. Uh, and Ingram, of course, the other half. I watched you boys today uh, because, as you know, I need all the help I can get in this game. So always very informative on the trial files now. We're going to go through a bit of your background uh, and a bit of stuff on racing and punting, obviously, and then we're going to take a quick look uh, at who we like for the weekend and going forward in the spring. Now, I'm going to start off. It's a bit of a generic question for you, Tom, but uh, it's always one that that provides a good answer and and one that everyone has a different answer for, Um, and hopefully our listeners will be keen to hear your story, but it's just how you got into uh, the great game of racing. Um. Yeah, it's uh, like most. I would have thought, um, like like most, I would have thought. I um, I started betting on the Melbourne Cup. I think Dad had a few dollars for me each way on a couple of things that I liked back in the day. And um, yeah, that's that's how it started. Moved to Melbourne when I was twelve from Adelaide and went to Turnbull Stakes Day and just loved it. And uh, my interest grew from there. Can you remember what horses you backed early doors in the Melbourne Cup through your dad? I think I found three or four winners in a row. Saintly, Might and Power, um, there were a couple of them. So uh, it was a good start and uh, a couple of wins when Dad came home with $20-odd or whatever for me. I was probably uh, stuck to racing. Mate, I'm surprised you didn't put the queue in the rack after that. Four wins in a row, I'd retire. I'd be gone. (laughs) I was just starting, boys, so I'd be happy with that now, though. Yeah, that's Now, uh, (laughs) when did racing and betting become a – 
a more professional interest of yours and a more professional outlook for you? Um, betting, I probably shouldn't say this, but growing up at school, uh, 16, 17 years of age, I'd sneak down to the, the TAB, watch a few races and have a few bets uh, after school every now and then and um, just grow from there. So, um, yeah, it's uh, in serious terms, we started the trial files 2013, so it's been around for seven and a half years now and um, that's probably when I started to take it really seriously was probably six months before that and found some really good results there was a a hole in the markets for trialers um, back then so we're having a lot of success and it was really easy to to find an edge in in markets funnily enough there was a couple Dean Trial Spy and um, Chris Nelson up in Queensland and us um, I think we were pioneering of that, and especially when um, TVN came on and started televising them all. Um, it was a huge market edge, and I got hooked on it um, in a big way then, um, especially when we were making good money, and then probably flipped after about two or three years when um, trials were taking place, the trial files had really kicked off. Um, betting agencies flipped and were having good trialers and opening them incredibly short. So it was a tough, it's been a tough journey over the seven and a half years, but um, a thoroughly enjoyable one. Now, Tom, you work for both uh, racing.com and punters.com. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your work um, there and how, how do you enjoy it and <clears throat> what aspects of it do you enjoy the most? Uh, yeah, well, form study is always something that I like and I don't really consider it work when I'm doing the form. I do it anyway. So, um, with the trial files, we're, we're hooked into punters.com.au and um, they support and, and do our trial-to-track show and produce that and uh, help us out, so we provide content for them. Uh, personally, racing.com, um, we do some tips. So I do form analysts Monday, Wednesday and Saturday at the moment for racing.com.au and, um, yeah, that's that's about it. Just provide a, a run uh, a rundown on each race, a short par- paragraph and uh, best bets and selections on all races Monday, Wednesday and Saturday at the moment. Chris Camilleri does um, the other day, so we share New South Wales for racing.com. Speak of Chris Camilleri, a <coughs> huge friend of the show. Um, we all know your gig with Trial Files with uh, Glenn Henry. It's always a typical question. A lot of people um, get asked, um, I'm a trial perv as well i love to look for the trials and a lot of people always ask me this question i find it a little bit hard to answer as a lot comes from your eye and sort of in your own head but what is it that you look for and focus on in the trials or the jump out yeah i think there's a, a big thing is patterns um trainers patterns and, and whatnot what you what and it comes with experience um anyone can look at a trial and say horses um trialed well but then you, you get to know stables and intent and how particular stables trial their horses um, the biggest one, um, well, in, in two-year-olds, it's it's often how well they jump and, and how professional they are. Um, speed with two-year-olds and professionalism is always um, a positive. But the big thing for me and, and where I find a lot of people go wrong is looking through, looking at horses um, after the line and through the line um, and, and how they just finish. Because a lot of them are short course trials, but how they're running on through the line um, is a big, big indication of uh, the fact that they're going to go well you see a lot of speedy squibs um stop on the line and, and don't really attack the line and can suck people in but um i'm always one for for horses that are really finding the line and running through it and how do you how do you judge uh maybe horses in trials that are finishing uh back in the pack sometimes they can go 
overlooked in trial replays, I find. How do you kind of judge how they're going uh, back in the field? They're not running one, two, three. Yeah, they are. Um, again, through the line, um, that's a big one for me. The horses that are just warming up late and um, they might might have finished seventh or eighth or whatnot, um, but when they're making ground through the line, they're under a hold. Um, it's also stables. Um, you see Chris Waller horses generally go back and, and have pretty soft trials and um, – if, if that's the case, a lot of them, you just give them a pass mark and you move on. If they're really running through the line um, well and after the line, it's a positive. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the, the biggest thing. It's just mainly the stables and through the line. But um, you, you get to know their form and, and if they are horses that have had um, experience and obviously their form is well known, you, you often just give them a pass mark and go off their first up runs previously. One of the big keys for me, Tom, especially when I look through trials and Lewis has heard me say a thousand times, is I have a rule myself that I don't back a horse first up or on debut unless they've trialled over a thousand metres or further, just for the fact of you can look gun over, say, 700 to 800 metres in a trial, but the race day is completely different. Do you sort of stick to a similar rule like that or is it all tend to tie in with your um, view after the line yeah it's a bit of after the line it's a bit of stable um who which stables are known for doing it um i mean the um waterhouse stable like to give uh, their horses solid trials and and usually they have two before they go to the races um it's a bit of feel as well um you see a few speedy squibs run over 800 meters and they're generally going to um, they often start under the odds and over the 1,000 or 1,100 metres first up just because they have that early speed and they might be weak late. Um, yeah, it's a bit of feel. Um, there's no, no right or wrong answer. Um, generally, I do like to see horses have two trials and a, a longer trial. And an interesting thing to note is horses that travel for trials. Um, home track trials are often um, overstayed and horses can overperform at their home track. So that's an important nuance to uh, take note as well when you're looking at trials. Are there any uh, stables that you could think of probably off the top of your head that like to really get their horses forward for trials compared to maybe stables that give them more of a quieter time? Just for everyone listening, if you ever see, oh, this horse X has trialled really well out of this stable, well, maybe it's just because their horses are always quite forward. Is there any stables you can think of that are either or? Yeah, um, Gerald Ryan horses usually are good first-up horses. They usually put themselves into the trials and show speed. Your Gary Moores of the world, um, I know they trade a lot um, through Asia, but they often have horses um, and maiden gallopers that are probably set up to to sell to Hong Kong or to Asia and, and whatnot, and they usually are, are really speedy, try and win trials. They might not perform or live up to those trials if they head to the races. Um they're probably the two main ones that come to mind. I find Peter Paul Snowden horses often uh, have soft trials but often hit the line really well. Um, your wallers always go back. I can, Funnily enough, I can look at a field of um, trainers and often tell you where they're going to run, um, where they're going to finish and um, how they're going to trial, which is funny enough. But um, that's probably the, the biggest one that, that Gerald Ryan um, – and the Gary Moores really set the speed in a lot of their trials, and so do Waterhouses. Um, <clears throat> moving on from the trials, apart from uh, backing them <clears throat> throughout 
the days. Uh, what are some other form um, aspects you look for or how do you sort of undertake your form leading to race day? Uh, the first thing I look at is probably a speed map, but that's pretty common, I would have thought, um, work out how the race is going to be run. Um and then go from there. Um, if you can paint a good picture of how the race is going to run, it gives you a fair indication. This time of year, um, just thinking about it logically, which horses are, are there to win, which horses are, are fit, um, and it's something that you can look at the feature on Saturday. There's not many horses that are that um, are there to actually win the race. So it is a tricky tricky one. A lot of the Waller runners on Saturday will be out there to just have a trial, essentially, a glorified barrier trial. They'll go back and run home, and um, it is hard. Um, so that's an interesting one. But speed map's the, the obvious one and the first point of call that you look at. Are you more inclined, um, just hearing you speak here about, you know, trainers and so, are you more inclined to bet in, in Sydney because the trials are more, uh, I guess, well set up? Obviously, in Victoria, there's more of a jump-out system uh, compared to trials. Does that alter your decision in punting um when i started the trial files i was doing a lot of sydney work and i joined up with buddy welsh and uh, he and i started the trial files in 2013 it was just happened to be that i was doing a lot more sydney stuff then and he was concentrating on melbourne um i kind of part of me wishes i was um doing more melbourne stuff to be honest there's a lot more um, you can find a bigger edge in Melbourne if you do you put the hard work in and, and have a look at the, the jump outs and, and do that. There's often horses that um, trial or have jump outs out at Burren Beats or St Arnold or whatnot that really go under the radar and you can find some good value in early markets. Um, and you, you don't see the moves in Sydney that you do in um, Melbourne. There's often horses that open 50 to 1 in betting and start $3 and um, everyone starts uh, jumping on board. You just don't see that in Sydney because of the – the trainers, there's probably a more select group of trainers and everything's public, all the, all the barrier trials are public and uh, just so happened to be that I focused on Sydney but um, I kind of wish that I could had more time to delve into the jump outs in Victoria but um, that's what Mike Glenn's for. He gives us a good push. You're 100% right about those, those stables that take them out to the country areas. There's a few that come to mind for me, Paul Prushka uh, and the Peter Chow's. Uh, anything around that Warnable area, they love a little sneaky out the back barrier trial at a country track, and it and you're right, it 100% does go uh, under the radar. I mean, I know you haven't looked at a lot of Melbourne stuff, and that's more Glenn's role, but uh, for me, I, I cover a lot of Melbourne stuff. I wish the jump out system was just a bit more uh, controlled, like it is in Sydney. A lot of jump outs you see in the country aren't timed uh, or don't have. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a finishing orders or anything like that. So that is a big um, positive about the way they do it in Sydney, how professional it is. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Um, it is hard work sorting out um, trainers, silks, and um, even Glenn's been caught up. He's, a, he's as good as anyone I know at doing it, and even he's been caught out by um, thinking horses are, are certain horses and they end up not being that horse or whatnot because uh, – the silks and no runners listed and whatnot, it can be quite hard when you try and find jump outs with some of these horses and um, it is hard work, but there is an edge there. So um, it's, a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I guess. Now, are there any uh, <clears throat> form analysis past or present out there that you sort of take your inspiration from or look up to? Uh, good question. Um not really. I learn from everyone. Um, I love talking about the game. Um, 
Matty Welsh, when he was doing it full-time, was the best I've ever seen. Um, he was great. Uh, he was full-time for a while there and um, was as good a judge as, as any. And the one thing I learned from him is back yourself in. Um, often that's where you, you get your best results. Um, you back yourself. You can not worry about the drift as much if you're confident. And um, he was he was great. So, But um, anyone, really, I, I love social media for that reason um you can learn from anyone and everyone and um everyone's got an opinion it's uh, a great part of social media and um, no point arguing with those opinions either because um even if you don't agree with them there's um certain elements of everything that you can learn from very true now i don't want to steal too much of um punters.com thunder here when they do interviews like this but is there a best or worse piece of punning advice that you've received from anyone? <laughs> oh, um, piece of punting advice. Um, not, I, I can't remember if I've had any from any specific people. Um, no, I think what I said with Matty Walsh was a, a big one and just be confident, back yourself. Um, something that I believe in and, and piece of advice that I would give to people would be um, know what you're good at. Um, don't confuse yourself, have clarity. Um, clarity is incredibly important for me. Um, know how you do the form, how you like to to do things and, and how you find success um, and stick to it. You see a lot of trial judges, you see um, a lot of data guys, you see a lot of video replay guys and, and often they can start mingling in with, with other elements and start looking at data too much and it might not be their forte. If you're having success watching battery trials, um, and finding your edge that way. I know um, Dean does his black book system, and, and if that's successful for you, um, stick with it because um, you, I know you can continue learning, but have clarity in what you do. I think that's hugely important. Yeah, very good, very good. Now, moving on to uh, a bit of racing coming up this weekend. As I said at the start, I tuned into uh, the Trial Files podcast earlier today, and I suggest everyone listening do the same. It was really good. Uh, you've Picked one in the tramway at Randwick, the Group 2 tramway, uh, in Reloaded, first up. Uh, tell us why uh, you've – you've and what you saw from the trials in, in Reloaded for this weekend. Yeah, he's had two trials. His first trial was over 900 metres at Rose Hill. Uh, I love what he did through the line there. His second trial, again, he, he finished uh, fifth, it was, at Rose Hill on the 18th of August. Didn't wear blinkers on either occasion and um, – uh, he gets them back on. He usually races in them. So that's an important note to, try, to note from trials as well, um, gear and, and whatnot. That's a, often one you see, and even I'm guilty of it at times, you look at horses and go, gee, he's trialed poorly or, or she's trialed poorly, and you, you notice they might not be having the blinkers or um, whatnot, and they get them back on a race day. Reloader's gone very well in his two trials despite not wearing blinkers. I think this is a bit of a target race for uh, Chris Waller. James McDonald's on board. He gets down to 55, which is... Rare for him, um, draws barrier three, and it's a race, again, where there's a couple of horses that might not be set for the race. So I think Reloaded's the, a really good bet at double figures there. As I said, he's tried well. He's run well over this distance before. He's um, run well against Shadow Hero, Microphone, Castle Vecchio. He, he got beaten by Brandenburg in a Group 2 Hobartville last campaign. So uh, he's probably the, the horse that I think is there to win and, and gets a lot of favours, a good weight and, and a decent barrier. There's actually a few good horses in this race that are first up, like you said, that have all been to the trials. I wanted to know what you thought of, uh, if you if you can remember off the top of your head, the trial of Rock 
Uh, drawn barrier 10 here, but finished behind dirty work at Rose Hill in its most recent one on a heavy track. Yeah, it worked home pretty well. Um, and it's a horse that I probably think's better on top of the ground. So you've got to take that into account. Um, I thought he went okay there. And James McDonald actually rode him there and um, sticks with reloaded. So that's a, an interesting push. Um, I've, I've honestly thought, and he, he kind of surprised me what he did in the Epsom Rock Um I thought it had been extremely well placed to date, and that's um, brought about his winning record. We've seen him come undone a little bit um, in recent times, but I thought in his early career um, he was stringing wins together, but I thought the placement by the Hawks team was exceptional there, um, and I was... I didn't think I uh, didn't give him uh, much of a chance in the Epsom because of that. I know he started single single figures, but I put a pen through him. Um, he had fifty one kilos. Uh, he ran pretty well there, considering he ran fifth. But um, he's not a horse that I've ever been on the. I've never had a huge opinion of him. I thought he was doing it all just through good placement. I know he's got some sort of ability. Um, I did like his trial, but um, I think Reloaded's a better horse. That's a very good insight there from you, Tom. Now, uh, Dean and I have spoken about this in our podcast proceeding into this week, but we wanted to get your thoughts uh, on the horse and or the race that you're really most excited for this spring. Uh, just before that, did you did you like Rock, did you, in the uh, the feature or, or in the trailway? I just, I didn't yeah, talk I, you I, out of it, did I? No, no. Look, to be quite honest with you, you'd have to go through Dean because I um, mainly focus on the, the Melbourne, Melbourne stuff. Was, yeah, I was going through the, the big races. I had a few comments about that tramway, actually. The fact that Boss, Glenn Boss has gone with the Kiwi horse instead of Colette. Um, Vanna Girl coming down from Brisbane, Opacity. I've got a friend who has a share in who I thought's jump outs were only fair. So I had a few queries about that, but uh, I haven't really looked at the race and I just saw that Rock, um, came off that good run last prep in a in a in a good race or two preps going a good race, um, and so I just wanted to get your thoughts on on it. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Where he, what were your thoughts on? Okay, Tom. Sorry. Thoughts, Re um, Bossy going on to Dragon Leap. I think that's because um, McDonald will take the ride and Colette going forward. Um, I don't think Reloaded and Colette will clash going forward. We saw. Um, we, we saw Bossy ride in the ATC Oaks, but I think McDonald might have a, the booking going forward. So maybe Bossy's just decided to, to take Dragon Leap there, but um, I think Colette will be better over further. And um, yeah, there's a few queries on whether she's come back stronger. I heard uh, and I saw a trial. Um, not sure where she's at and whether she can go on to a call for Cup this campaign, but what she did last prep was sensational. What did you make of Dreamforce's last start? Obviously, <laughs> tailed off and finished uh, way out of there. They went lickety split in that. And the only query I had, I thought that was the bet in the race. The only query I had in my mind was a gut buster first up. Uh, I know <laughs> he was eased down and didn't do any work over the last, say, four 400 metres. Um, was that a query um, for you? It has to be a query. Him and Colding are the class gallopers and uh, were both too bad to be true. Um, not sure where Colding's at, but... Um, I was pretty keen, Dreamforce in the Wink Stakes, um, but I didn't love his trial. Um, I went looking for him because he was the, the horse um, that was there placed to I thought would run, was there to win. Um, he'd get map favours. And then I went looking again and I didn't love his trial. So I've got a question mark about him generally, uh, how he's come back this campaign. Um, 
I, I know a good judge who loves horses when they run um, and get beaten 20 lengths. He just thinks that's a, a positive. Um, he'd rather them finish 20 lengths last than run um, fifth or sixth because they drop right out of it and they don't have a gut buster. So if you're worried about a gut buster, I probably wouldn't take that um, into consideration. I'd, um, I wouldn't worry too much about that, but I'd more worry, go back and have a look at the trials and, and be confident that he's come back in, in a good order. And if you are, um, he can definitely improve. Beautiful. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, moving on, <clears throat> one for the listeners out there, one for the battlers. Um, do you have a good thing for us on Saturday? I, I changed subject about the horses I was looking forward to. Oh, um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I, I waffled on a bit. Um, I think we've seen them, to be honest, the three-year-olds. Um, uh, we've seen Anders... Uh, North Pacific's come back, but Farnan's the horse that we haven't seen, and I've loved his, the way he's been going at trials. I think he, I think the, um, I know there's a couple, remember Argan and um, the Queensland will come down Rothfire, but I think the Golden Rose at this stage might be a race in two with uh, North Pacific and Farnan. I've loved the way Farnan's been going, but I get excited by the three year olds and the um, little babies will be stepping out too, the two year olds, so I can't wait to get stuck into those trials. Gay Waterhouse came out and basically declared that Farnan wouldn't be defeated the whole prep. So uh, big call from Gay, <laughs> but not as you said, no, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. But must have a bit of confidence if if she can come out and say that. And I agree, the trials have been very smart um, and, and looks a good thing. Just back to what Dean said, apart from obviously reloaded, do you have anything for the clerks of the course listeners, we're all strugglers here. We're all big battlers on the punt, so we need a good thing from a smart man. We're all battlers. Um, I don't have any good things. I've got to feel it value. Um, I think clearly Regal's trialed sensationally before the highway, um, trialed against Trekking and um, went very well in that trial. And uh, I think he's one at value about $13 that can run well. Um, I thought It's Me was going to be the good thing of the, the day, but uh, she's been scratched. But I, I like the way clearly Regal's been going. I think if you want a good thing, I, I'm happy to be with Reloaded to place. Um, I'd be backing him one by three, one by four, and uh, if you want the good thing, I think he'll run very well. What else? I know um, Dan's pretty confident of the couple that I like in um, in the earlier races, race three, raison d'etre and uh, Sylvestre, maybe those two, two-horse play. but um, yeah, it's a great day of racing. The um, Concorde's going to be a ripper. Uh, you think Nature Strip's a good thing, but who knows? Speaking of the Concorde, um, whose side are you on, Nature Strip or Gear Trap? Both first up. Uh, Nature Strip's trial like an absolute rocket, but has that oh, that stat that everyone keeps quoting on the query of the first up. Um, which team are you on there? Can I say Splintex? Yes. Yes, <laughs> um, Yeah, I think, I think Nature Strip's too short. If I want to get, um, if I want to get involved in the race, Splint takes the value. Maybe the Quinella horse. I think he can beat Gitra home. So um, he's the horse. I think he's he's. We go back to that intent. He's a horse that I think might be there to win. Um, it's Group Three Concord Stakes. Um, Gitra and, and 
nature strip will have improvement to come. They've got much bigger fish to fry, especially G-Tri's got the, the synthet- synthetic hoof filler on first time. First race around the Sydney way of going. He's trialled pretty well up in in New South Wales, but um, he'll have plenty of improvement, and I think Splintex is the a danger to nature strip if, there's, if there is one. Now, before I go on, we've got a few of these little matchups that we're going to ask, but um, have you had a chance to look at any racing at the Valley this weekend? Because there might be no answers if if you haven't. I generally keep abreast of the fields up there, mate. Yeah, I've had a, had a bit of a look. Right, so my first uh, little battle, and again, if you have another choice in the race, don't don't uh, be afraid to say it, but in the McEwen, over, tw- over 1,000, sorry, are you uh, Team Bella Vella or Team Hanseatic? Uh, I'm a bit of a trial perf, so I'm going to say Bella Vella because I loved her trial in Adelaide. Um, group one winner last start, Bella Vella. Burns the turf at Mooney Valley. Loves the track. A 955-metre win, Bella Vella, was um, exceptional around blistering time. And I'm happy to side with Bella Vella there. He's a good trainer, Will Clark, and I'm sure he'll have her in top order. Now, on the other group too, the fee and stakes over the mile. The winner of this gets a ticket into the Cox Plate. Surprise baby or Harbour Views? Uh this is a really interesting setup, and I know I've halved on intent, but surprise baby here, $3 with a Melbourne Cup berth uh, in waiting. It's a fascinating setup. Um, ran well in this race last year for memory. Uh, maybe Sacconi's the horse that's going to be rolling out in front. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dan? Or, or Louis? Yeah, well, <laughs> speaking to Louis, I'm there. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten to this race yet. I'm just about to start it uh, tonight. I'm a, I'm always generally happy to be opposed to Harbour Views. I um, <laughs> rude to anyone, but I think it's a bit of a mouse. Uh, surprise baby, as you said, not is is more set for the for the Melbourne Cup. Did run well in this race last year. You're 100% correct. Um, but set for a Melbourne Cup through a Cox Plate, I'm not too sure. Probably short enough at three dollars. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone saw Craig Williams's um, GoPro vision of it. The work at uh, oh, it escapes me where it worked the other morning, but it was really strong. Um, and I love that GoPro vision footage as well. I think that's a great thing to have um, for the game of racing in general. Sir Coney is, as you said, the one that's going to roll forward. If it's a highway uh, and a big leaders track like some are expecting, with not much else pace wise in the race, Sir Coney could easily steal this from the front. And I'm also willing to forgive uh, coming around, who I've still got a big opinion of, uh, comes here fourth up. It's going to be fit and was a definite forgive on the heavy 900 at the Valley last start behind Alsvin. So if it got out to a bit of a price, it's about 10 bucks now. If it drifted anymore, I'd, I'd be quite happy to have something on, on coming around uh, as well. But, yeah, it's a tricky race. Should be a good race, though. Really interesting one. and. We're always looking to make a profit in the game. If it is leaderish, we're, we kind of are expecting Mooney Valley to be leaderish. As soon as you, you work out the bias earlier on the day, get on Sacconi. Um, you can always lay off and, and make a bit of money that way. 100%. Uh, back to Sydney. Uh, this is my favourite race of the day, actually. I found this a cracking race to do the form on. I think it will be an even better race come Saturday. Um <clears throat> Team Hungry Heart or Team Dang Gazelle? Uh, Hungry Heart, definitely. Um, I've got 
Stella Pauline ahead of Dame Giselle. But um, Hungry Heart will be better over further. I I think she's about the right price. I know the New Zealander who was um, trialling very well has been scratched. So um, Hungry Heart from Stella Pauline in that. I saw Dean's heart just rip in half. He's a massive oh. Dame Giselle fan. I know, he loves her. <laughs> Mate, that's Very a good. pleasure having you on, Tom. Uh, we really appreciate it. You've set a, a high standard for uh, the guests on our show to come. We loved your insight uh, in terms of trials. I think it's a a topic, and, and you gave a lot of information there that listeners and, and Dean and I included actually uh, will be able to take a lot from. Now, before we let you go, there's a thing that Dean and I do at the start of every podcast where we talk about uh, our beverage of choice for not only the weekend but for recording the podcast. Is there a beverage of choice for you, Tom, that you have? Uh, obviously, at the moment, can't be out at the truck being down at Melbourne. So any beverage that you're keen on to have during the races? I've been on the, um, controversially, the Col- Colonial Brewing Company beers at the moment. Um, their sour, Southwest Sour Beer is to die for. So I've been smashing them. They're not cheap, so they're a bit $85 a carton, I think. So uh, <laughs> you want to be winning on the punt, but, uh, gee, they're delicious. That's it. Well, that's what I'll be having, and that's what Dean and I will be having if we have a win. Mate, Tom, again, thanks for coming on the pod. We really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck for the weekend and moving forward into the spring. Thanks, boys. All the best. That was an absolute pleasure having uh, Tom Haylock on the pod there. Some really good insights, as we said, about his trials uh, and a few other things racing. Now, Dino, moving on to Randwick Racing uh, this Saturday. It's the Group 2 Chelmsford Stakes Day meeting. Uh, as we've said earlier in the pod, it's a, it's a hot and uh, hot and sunny time up here in Sydney at the moment. Should be a good four, fine weather. Uh, rail out six, as you said. And uh, a bit of confidence on the meeting I can, I can glean coming from you. And uh, hopefully we can steer the punters in and the listeners to a few winners. So we've got three best bets on the card for you, starting out in the opening race. Who are we with? Yeah, the opening race looks a nice race to kick off the day. Uh, 1,100 metres, benchmark 78. Uh, there looks to be a touch of speed. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a fast tempo up front. Um, I'm expecting the horses to settle on pace in this race to be the ones I want to be with. Um, <clears throat> the horse I'm with is Arathea from the Godolphin Yard. Uh, loved last start, really chased home um, the winner there, um, probably just misses the bob, um, had to do a lot of work throughout the run, was wide on the heavy 10, back to a good track Saturday, big tick, J-Max sticks, um, barrier one, uh, this horse's early days uh, <clears throat> definitely sat on speed and can muster speed to be close enough or even take up the running, so I think from barrier one, uh, McDonald will be getting... At worst, uh, one back defence. So I think that's a nice spot. Uh, I go back last prep, 1.2 lengths off, way up in the sky. Um, closed very well, like I said, last start. Second up's probably the key, fitter now, especially coming off that heavy 10 run. Um, and 1,100 metres, yes. I think that's the key uh, when I'm splitting these top two in the market. Um, she's had the run. She's got the fitness now. Um the only sort of query I have was a possible gut buster first up on that heavy 10 track. Did sustain a long run from the back, but I'm happy to be aboard RFE. I think she should be a clear favourite. Um, definitely have time for the Chris Waller Harto. Um, very impressive first two starts and put away like a good horse. The query I have <laughs> first up, 
uh, 44 weeks off the scene. Um, and I think the trials, they've been nice, but hasn't been pushed out in the trials. So I'm not sure how forward, but I think that's always got to be query coming off a massive break like that. Um, but do have to respect the Waller Yard. I think she's going from a midweek race maybe to uh, return in a Saturday grade benchmark 78. Um, I'll make mention of one other, and I think that's Musical Genius. I think dropping back in grade, it's a huge drop back in grade here. Nash on will look to find the lead. Has to go up eight kilos, that's the query, but a group three back to a benchmark 78. Uh, that's a big tick. So I'm keen to stick with Arathia in the first. Yeah, there's only really been two uh, backed in the market, and they were the first two you mentioned. Obviously, your top pick from the Godolphin Yards come in about 5% since market opened. And Hardo down the bottom, who you also mentioned, has come in about 6%. But uh, the tip in the first, currently $2.70 on player. And I agree, mate, think very hard to beat. Love when McDonald links back up with the Godolphin Yard. Now, moving on to the next best bet, we skip a few races in the middle of the card and move on to race number seven. Who have you got in the seventh? Um, I found this a very tricky race at first glance, and I thought to myself, this is definitely a no-bet race. You've got <clears throat> Finch, Mr. Seawolf, uh, Life Less Ordinary, probably Brim and Rocks, Natoya, possibly Dance Dance Dance, a few others who this definitely is in their pet tri- trip. Uh, 1,600 metres probably at the shorter end of what they want. So <clears throat> it's one of those races where... Um, you sort of land on a horse that you may not be keen to back. You just back them for the fact that that's their, that's their winning distance. But I did find Angel Truth in this race. I think the Hawks team have absolutely turned this girl around, uh, this guy around, sorry. Um, his first up run, he was the only horse to make solid ground that day on that heavy 10. Um, loved these closing sectionals. Tommy Berry on board. He holds a 28% win record at Ramwick. Um, sectionals out of that last start, last 637.24, last 424.86. The one I want to make mention of is the last 212.67. Uh, it was the fastest of the race by approximately 1.9 lengths to um, his rivals. I'm trusting what my eyes saw that day. Um, go back two preps. He won an ATC Derby and a Tullock Stakes. Um, definitely keen to be on his side. I'll make mention of a couple of others. I think Zabrowski can be a huge improver second up. Flew home first up in that um, very strong run race. The only query on that horse for mine is Hawks love to let their horses settle where they jump. From barrier 12, I can't see the horse jumping um, extraordinary and landing on pace unless Abdullah pushes forward. Um, <coughs> Avilius. If he was able to draw a barrier here, I think he could be potentially a bet. But from barrier 16, I think McAvoy has his work cut out for him. Clearly probably the best horse in the race going off um, his stats in his career. 1,600 metres, yes. Um, back on top of the ground, yes. Track, yes. Just the barrier is a massive, massive query for mine if I'm playing it on pace for the day. So happy to be Angel Truth. You're getting a beautiful price there, $4.80. I think she'll, uh, sorry, he'll start a lot shorter come race day. So I'm keen to be with Angel of Truth. It's funny how that can work sometimes that just a change up of stable and really going from Gwen to Markle to the Hawks team hasn't even moved that far. But just sometimes a change of stable and a bit of change of scenery can really. 
uh, invigorate a bit of new life into a horse. And I agree with you. I think they've got this horse rocking, as you said, 480 currently uh, with play up. Stayed about even since market opened. There's the one, the only one they've really uh, come for, and I wouldn't even say come for. It's just had a little twist in. He's Mister Seawolf out of the five barrier, but uh, pretty quiet betting activity early, and that uh, follows your sentiments that it's a really tricky race. So I think Angel of Truth there looks a very good bet for the punters and the listeners. Now moving on to the very next race for your third and final best bet in race eight. The Tramway Stakes. Who are we thinking here? Um, the Group Two Tramway looks a nice race. Um, I'm keen to stick with Dreamforce here. Heavily back last start, which is always a nice push for mine in the Winx Stakes. Um, they went at a ridiculous tempo up there, faded out. And a key point Tom made earlier in the podcast is uh, my slight query on this horse was a gut buster first up, but I love what he stated where he said. I'd much prefer a horse to fade out, um, finish dead last, not use any energy rather than stick on and probably create a grunt buster for the horse. Nash, uh, huge tick on his horse. Front runner, love Nash on front runner horses. Back to a good track, has a 45% win record on a good track. Uh, 12 starts at 1,600 metres for six wins. Second up, nine starts for three wins, three seconds and a third. Go back last prep, beat a horse called Tiako Shark and the Bostonian at 1,500 metres. That's the right form. Um, Stays at 1,400. I think that's a big form tick for mine. Horses that um, return over 1,400 and then stick to that distance next start. Definitely rock hard fit now. Um, That's the way I'm keen to play it. I'll mention a couple others. I think Colding can... um, can bounce back here. Want to see him kept over the shorter distances uh, this prep. Vanna Girl is a very, very interesting runner. You have a lot of time for this girl. Um, if she was able to draw a barrier, I think um, she could have been right in this race. Um, she has a credibly good closing speeds and a dynamic turn of foot. I think if she finds a way anywhere near the pace or they set a hectic tempo up front here, um, I think she can be flashing home and probably be the horse to follow out of the race. But at the $4.20 quote currently with play up, uh, I think Dreamforce is a very good bet. Another thing I want to make mention of this horse is he had one of these um, sort of poor starts or poor runs, uh, last prep, second up, off a good run first up. He definitely bounced back his third up run um, and won that. Um, So definitely he's done this before where he sort of had a – uh, a forgive run and then come out next start one. So that's another thing I want to make mention of. But Dreamforce for me. Dreamforce on top, mate. I just wanted to get your thoughts, if possible, on a runner here at big odds, one of the outsiders of the field. Uh, right down the bottom, Graceful Glamour for the Newnham Yard. Carries 54 kilos. No real uh, first up form to speak of, but really good distance stats. And I thought the map from barrier five, likely to push forward on speed. As you said, with that rail out, sometimes it can fancy an on-speed runner. Uh, yeah, what did you make of Graceful Glamour right down the bottom? Um, I think she's a very hard horse to catch for mine. Um, if you even look back at her form, go back last prep, first unplaced, third, um, second unplaced. So she's sort of 
for betting prospects, she's probably not one of the horses I look to, but I have to agree with you. I look through the map, and she looks like the likely leader. She'll find the rails and the and the lead throughout. Um, Dreamforce will look to sit off her back. Lightweight, on pace, rail out, um, good track. They're all good recipes for the horse. Uh, Rachel King's an absolute gun. Um, you're getting a pretty nice price too, $17.460 a place. Um, probably, and like you said, distance stats, five starts, two wins, a second and a third. Um, I haven't caught the trials of this horse. It has trialed over uh, um, 1,200 metres, so um, that's a big tick. Um, first up, 1,200-metre trial, should be fit first up. Um, definitely, if you like it, could not steer you away from it. Beautiful. So that's a thought on uh, down the bottom there, Graceful Glamour. Now, just quickly looking through the market again for your topic there, Dreamforce, coming about 3% since the market opened. A few others have gone out. Colding, Dragon Leap, Colette, Rock, and Vanna Girl have all drifted. And there's a bit of a nibble down the bottom for Reloaded, who uh, Tom was very keen on uh, in that interview, obviously, and a bit of a nibble for Opacity as well. Uh, I know a few of the owners in Opacity, so best of luck to them. I'm sure they're listening as always. But uh, just quickly running through your three bets again for Randwick, mate. Run through uh, So we got race one, um, Arathea. Race seven, Angel of Truth. And race nine, Dreamforce. They're my three uh, bets at Randwick this Saturday. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, there is also some racing at the Valley, which is where I like to think I uh, step into my own, per se, and have a real good crack. Love betting at the Valley, uh, and it looks a great, great meeting coming up. It's Group 2, Fee and Stakes, good three, fine weather, rail true, and I'm uh, I'm keen to bet up, mate. I'm keen to bet up. What do you Have you had a quick look at the meeting? What did you think? Yeah, I've had a quick look at the meeting, and like you said before... <laughs> Uh, a lot of people can kick up a stick and kick up a, a bit of a whinge about a leader spice track, but I think in this instance, uh, if you know prior to the track, uh, prior to race day, I think you can really, really narrow down and um, make a very profitable day. A lot of people sort of like these sort of days where you can pretty much pen half the field because of their, their position they map in. I think it's a general term for most betting. I think that's probably one of the biggest impacts or um, lessons I've learned probably in the last 18 months is your your success or your strike rate definitely improves uh, a hell of a lot if you back horses from that midfield to pace sort of section. But it does look a cracking day. I'm very uh, impressed by the track returning from a heavy 15, like you said, to a good four. Um, we look for your first bet. Um, like me, we're going to try strike early in race one. Um, talk us through your first bet. Mate, I love getting the cash early. I really, really like getting the cash early. And I think today, uh, or sorry, Saturday will be a good time to get it early. Race one, it's a 1,200-meter event for the Phillies and Mares at benchmark 84 level. Quick look at the speed. Gentico, How Romantic, Call Me Royal can be up there. Uh, and I think Palmy from Barrier 10 likely to go back. Uh, Bonds Abroad might join it back there in the field. This is out of the three bets that I have on Saturday that are my best. This is the top pick. I think it's an, oh, gee, I don't want to say the M word. I don't. I really don't. And I'm going to hold myself back. But everyone knows what I mean. And that's my level of confidence on this horse. It's how romantic, number three. So from a completely map perspective to start with, barrier two, it's going to jump right up there, be on speed, 
We know it handles the valley uh, at 1,200 metres, and it can be right there in that best part of the track, with which will be the inside five metres uh, with that rail going back to the true. So I could stop my conversation there and just say from a complete map perspective, uh, that's how it can win. But I'll go on. It's first up. Uh, it's had two jump outs, and it's looked very, very strong in both of them. She's worked hard through the line uh, under some slight riding, but has looked really good. The latest one at Sandown, it was over 800 metres. Uh, winning that jump out was Diamond Effort, who then came out first up and won a really good race. Uh, and Dr. Drill finished fifth in the jump out, who arguably should have gone much, much closer to winning in his first up run. So the form out of the jump outs is really strong, and she matched motors uh, with both of those horses quite easily. The track and distance, I think, is very, very suitable for her. Uh, 1,200 metres at the Valley. She's won here before uh, our last prep, and uh, I, th- I think that's uh, a big tick uh, in her you know, uh, ability to win again here. I think a lot of others in this field are looking for uh, 1,400 metres, maybe more. Uh, so I think at the 1,200 metres here, she's perfectly suited. Uh, as I said, the map, she's right up on speed. That helps the claim for Lockie Nindorf as well. Two kilos off, brings her down to 59 and a half. And just, I think she'll be far too good for these. She's a talented horse. We know that. Should be undefeated, really. The only time her flag got lowered was the end of last prep uh, in a group two at Caulfield, I believe it was, where she sat wide. No, oh, it was at Flemington. It was the group two CUNY at Flemington. Sat wide, no cover. Rubasaki won that race. It was a complete forget, complete forgive. Uh, and I think she'll be far too good in the opening here. I've got her marked uh, at about 250. So anything around that price, I'm very, very happy to be playing How Romantic. I'll make a quick mention of some others that could be running into uh, maybe some Cornella trifecta areas. Uh, Gentico is another one from Barrier 9 that's going to push up on speed. Was also first up, won a recent try, uh, won a recent jump out at Flemington over 800 metres. Um, the time was only average for the morning, but it looked handy enough. Uh, three kilo claim for Will Price always helps. I think its best is over 1,400 metres, as I said before, but has a strong first up record and is one from one at the track and distance. So maybe Gentico's a Quinella play. And another one is Palmy. Uh, obviously, he's going to get back here from Barrier 10, which will make her uh, the job much harder, uh, but has a bit of fitness on its side compared to some others. Returns to the track and distance. It was fourth last start in this grade here over 1,200 metres. Um and that was on the heavy day. It was only a heavy eight technically at that stage, but we know it was much, much worse. Uh, got through the line like the last 50 metres really eye-catchingly, so maybe there was a bit of merit to the run. Can forgive, uh, but it's just got to, if it gets back early in this day, you can you can slightly put a pen through it, but maybe for a trifecta, if it can run on out wide, would be palmy. But, mate, dead set, dead set, so keen to be with number three, how romantic. On her, uh, obviously finished her prep in a group two um, last prep against a nice horse in Rupasaki. Where do you think her ceiling is? Do you think she can progress to a group one horse or do you think the listed sort of, say, group three, group two is her ceiling? I'd be able to answer that question better once I see the result on the weekend. I think she'll win, 
uh, have ju- you've just got to look at the, the talent and the quality going around at Group 1 level over that 1,200 to 1,400-metre distance. Um, and it's a hard one to answer. I think Group 2, uh, she's a Group 3 winner already, so we've ticked that box. Group 2, definitely. Group 1, probably competitive is how I'd say at this stage. Couldn't classify her as a Group 1 winner yet. Would definitely say could be competitive in the right Group 1, maybe something uh, towards the end of spring, Group 2 towards the end of spring. They're definitely, the, the Mara Nuces team are definitely going to want to get as many black type wins uh, or placings on the board with her as they can, obviously being a mare, uh, eventually going to stud. The more that they can get that black type on the board, the better. So I have no doubt that she'll be popping up in some uh, top-level races during this spring uh, and possibly the autumn. But, yeah, I, I'd probably say competitive group one. Couldn't call her a winner just yet. Perfect, perfect. She looks very well-placed, especially with the – um, press claim there, first up in race one. Uh, we move on to your second bet of the day. It comes up in the following race, uh, race two. Um, who have you got on top in this? Well, I wasn't originally going to have a bet in this race, and then I looked at it a bit more, and I, I got the track report that I get that, that said it would be quite on speed, and it, and it turned me into having a bet. So it's the 1,600-meter event, benchmark 78, I'm going for number six Sovereign Award, who's absolutely flying uh, this prep. I think, if I'm not mistaken, has uh, well, what would it, it would it be two wins from three runs so far, and was quite unlucky not to win last start. Quick look at the speed, uh, sixteen surreal image. It's an emergency, but if it gains a start, it'll go forward, and so will thought of that, uh, who's looking to bounce back from an average effort last start. Back in the field, uh, the the UK import Saracen Knight. Uh, I could do better and five kingdom. They're all drawn wide. I'm assuming they're going to have to go back uh, from their wide alleys. But back to Sovereign Award, fourth up here uh, and comes down in grade after over racing off a slow tempo and just being unable to reel in the winner at Caulfield last start. That was over 1,700 metres. Now, two starts back, Sovereign Award was a really strong uh, track and trip winner here in equal grade. And I think coming back to the mile here, fourth up, looks really, really suitable for it. Uh, It drops in weight and it's coming to an easier grade. So whenever you see that in your form card, that they're down in grade uh, and also down in weight, that's a huge form tick for mine. Damien Oliver sticks. He's riding really well at the moment. Got a few winners midweek. And again, on this map, uh, what I'm talking about here, Sovereign Award jumps from barrier four. I expect it to park right in behind the leader on the fence. Uh, under any pressure if Surreal Image or Thought of That, who are the likely leaders, just wants to roll out on the turn, that gives Sovereign Award an absolute saloon passage to walk through there. So I'm I'm hoping and assuming that they're going to roll out under pressure on the turn and that gives Sovereign Award a really good passage. Uh, I think it should be shorter. It's around that uh, high fives to low sixes marked at the moment. I've got it marked $3.80. So I was... Once I saw the track report, really, really keen to have a bet on Sovereign Award out of the O'Brien camp with Damien Oliver on. A few others I'll make mention of here. The favourite is Shandy, number 14. It's third up here off two dominant midweek wins. Uh, Last start was over 1,400 metres at Sandown. Hands and heels, really, really impressive. Uh, It ran a 33.63 last 600 metres on a soft seven. So really good sectionals there. Comes to town again. 
It's come to town a few times off some good wins and just hasn't been able to convert at Saturday level, but I think this is probably the best it's ever gone. My problem is that it's going to need a touch of luck from barrier eight. I'm not sure where they land. If they're midfield or behind, it makes the job really, really difficult for Shandy. Uh, it is well-weighted with 56. Out to the mile shouldn't be an issue. Uh, it has won at the mile before, but just my few queries were the map from barrier eight and the fact that it's still yet to convert uh, to a Saturday win off some good uh, runs. Skyman's the other one that I've, I've got a really big opinion of. It's unbeaten in Australia. It's now third up. It's had a break between runs, and it comes back from 2,000 metres to the mile. That's a slight concern for mine. Yes, I know that it did win at a mile when racing fresh here, but I just don't like the fact that it's had the break between runs and comes back uh, in trip. And from barrier 13 as well, I think they're going to have to go uh, backwards to try and find some cover in a three-wide line. So that will make uh, the job even harder for Skyman. But once it gets back to a track, Caulfield, Flemington, something like that, I'll definitely be jumping back on. Uh, but, yeah, my bet here in the second, the benchmark 78, I've gone with six sovereign award. Yeah, I like what you said there, especially if you have the track playing leader spice early doors. Your, your favourite and your third favourite in Skyman and um, Shandy, they're both going to get back from the barriers. Uh, <clears throat> their racing styles are obviously off pace, run on horses. So if you can sort of push them out straight away in the market, you, you obviously have them marked a lot further away than what they are currently, um, then it opens up huge value to be found there. So I can understand what you say there when it's sort of first glance, it's not a race you're keen to bet in, but you're sort of forced into it because you can cancel out a few runners. And I don't, don't think that's a negative way to sort of bet. I think it's a great way to bet if you can get rid of percentage in the market by pushing them out due to one or two factors, then definitely an edge to be found there. Um We'll move on to your third and final bet. Comes up in race four, and you're against the $2.40 favourite. I'm against it somewhat. If the favourite got out a bit, I'd do my famous two-bet play here, which I still might on the day. I'm going to have to see how our odds go. But race four, 1,600-metre handicap. I'm going to go with the king, number seven, at a bit of value. I think it's around it's somewhat double figures. I know that for sure. I haven't checked uh, lately, but it's definitely double figures. It's first up here for the Lyndon Smith camp. It comes off three jump outs. All of them have been over longer distances, which means uh, even though it's coming to the mile first up, I think it's definitely going to be fit and forward enough uh, to be competitive. There was one, two jump outs back at Coleraine over the 1,400 metres. I thought he hit the line very nicely. Uh, Only had the one start in Australia so far. That was last prep uh, behind Starcaster over 1,700 metres, and that run rated really well. Uh, I'd never really considered this horse for a bet until I went through all the ratings and saw that it's only Australian run rated really well. I think to the mile fresh here is even better. Uh, well weighted, I thought, uh, with only 56 on its back in this race. Uh, and I just thought at the odds, was really, really happy to have a play on uh, number seven, the king for Lindsay Smith, Michael Rod. Now, obviously, the favourite, Junipal, out of the Mara and Eustace team for Johnny Allen. I always love that combination. Love when Johnny Allen links up with the Mara and Eustace camp. Uh, hard to beat, don't get me wrong. Barrier 1 should position itself in a very good uh, spot. Second up here, it was really good behind showmanship at Caulfield in lower grade. Technically, it was lower grade, but I actually would argue that it was a much harder race uh, last start than this is here. Drops massively in the weights down to 56 kilos. That's a uh, that's a five and a half kilo weight drop. That's great. As I said, gets a suck run from barrier one in behind the speed. Any luck getting clear in the straight and could be too good out to the mile. But 
just at that price uh, for the king first up, Lindsay Smith. He loves a good sting, Lindsay. So I'm hoping he's got one primed and ready here for me in race four. Uh, currently $16 on play up. So if you land that one, you might become the king. Um, what price um, would you back Juniper at? Like, what price would Dewey want it to get out to before you have one of your famous two bet plays? I've got it marked 250. Uh, now, obviously, with a two bet play, if I was to back Juniper at 250 and the king, uh, at its current quote, and Junipal wins, I don't get a massive profit out of the race. Uh, I'd have to see whether I differentiate the stakes. Normally, I'm a quite an even stake kind of better if I do the two or three bet plays, but uh, I've got it marked 250. So anything around that mark, hopefully praying a touch longer, I'd be happy to take uh, with Junipal. Shot of Irish uh, and Odeon are the next two that I've got in the market, but they're quite longer. Shot of Irish, nines. Odeon, 8.30. So Junipal and the King are the only two ones I'm keen to, keen to be with here. Perfect. Looks a very uh, nice meeting there. And I think it would be rude not to get a little comment. Um, probably my most intriguing race on the day there, the McEwen Stakes. Um, I think rulership's a big, big.